Let's take a look at the board. And the categories are... Potent Potables. Joey, you like movies about gladiators. You're no messiah, you're a, you're a movie of the week. So you listen to me and you listen well. Look, well, let's not stand on ceremony, mate. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. It's the Boat Picture Podcast. Uh, you're tuning into the part two of the Blade Runner 2049 discussion. So, uh, like we did in the first one, we kind of gave our initial thoughts and kind of what we were watching and uh, what we were drinking and did a little movie news. But, uh, you know, because we figured we were going to do this a, a longer uh, review of the movie, we figured we'd separate this out to a second episode. So, uh, now we're going to do our real in-depth discussion on it, and uh, we'll see how long this ends up running for. So, uh, first up... Uh, so, guys, you want to just give a quick little uh, uh, reminder of your uh, initial thoughts on the film real quick? So, uh, Peter, why don't you start us off? Yeah. Uh, overall, I, I really enjoyed it. I think this might be a little easier for first-timers to get into than watching the first movie. Lengthwise, it's going to be a bit difficult for most, but for me in the theater, it didn't bother me too much because I was pretty engaged. Visually, it's a pretty awesome movie, and I think Denis Villeneuve really... Uh, really excelled again, and I can't wait to see what else he's going to come out with. But yeah, really enjoyed this movie and looking forward to talk to it. So, Sean. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, Peter. I, I really think Denny Villeneuve is uh, coming a long way um, as a director. I like the last few movies, but um, in terms of my thoughts, though, I think uh, visually stunning, great acting, little long. Part of the reason why I suggested that we you can wait till it comes out on uh on uh streaming or on uh Redbox or wherever you find your movies but uh yeah overall still just kind of indifferent but uh didn't hate it didn't love it just you know good movie but uh yeah but what about you Dave well uh like i said in the previous one um i really enjoyed this uh, it was definitely you know it seemed it seems like we're all in agreement about the or well so far um, everybody's in agreement about the uh, vi- how visually stunning this film was. Um, it's definitely one of those ones you want to go see in the theater um, if you have the opportunity to see it in like one of the larger uh, screen formats. Um, and I won't speak for Matt because he may have changed his opinion in the past few minutes. But, uh, you know, um, definitely thoroughly enjoyed it. I liked how this movie was a little bit more – it laid the plot out a little bit uh, – a little bit more for us in terms of uh, like the nuances and whatnot. There wasn't as many as there were in the first one, uh, but it was definitely a great sequel for. Uh, it's a great movie that it was a great uh, sequel for a movie that you know kind of started all the sci-fi movies that we all came to love and uh, enjoy. So you know it was a great it was a great film to just kind of sit and watch. And yes, it was long. I will agree with Sean on that one. So maybe if you do go see it in the movies, you may not want to, uh, or in the theaters, you may not want to. Uh, partake in a large uh, coca-cola beverage or pepsi depending on your preference because um, you may have to uh, get up in the middle of it and go out uh, but like i said definitely go see it in theaters um big uh, nice big screen if you can visually stunning movie great you know enjoyable plot and definitely the actors were were all spot on uh matt what about you yeah not, not much changed on my uh on my initial take you all make some good points and i'm kind of right in line in general with them uh, as you mentioned, Dave, it's, it's a very visually captivating film, and I can't think of a reason not to go see this in theaters. Obviously, if you weren't a fan of the first one, uh, this is a tougher sell for you, and, and you're, you're entitled to that opinion. Um, though, as Peter mentioned uh, earlier, 
this is a film that it's maybe a little easier to swallow despite the fact that it's a little bit longer. The storytelling is a little bit more straightforward. Um, there's, there's plenty of twists along the way, but it, it's not as nuanced. And so it, it still might be worthwhile to give this a shot. Uh, but I still think that's a good litmus test to decide whether or not you want to go see this in theaters. Um, but just to reiterate, because how because of how visually captivating this film is, I do I would urge folks to go see this movie in theaters. I don't think you'll regret it. Um, obviously, if, if you know this movie is not for you, if you'd rather see something, um, you know, maybe sci-fi is not your genre. Um, maybe noir is not your genre. Uh, this one's not quite in that same vein as the first one. Um, I'm not going to tell you to go spend the 10 to 20 bucks if you don't have a movie pass, which you should. Uh, but uh, otherwise, I, I think this is a movie that's that's worth checking out for for anyone who's a, a fan. So, all righty. Well, uh, so, you know, I guess the the biggest things we can kind of go swing into spoilers at this point. Um, but uh, what was the what was your biggest takeaways from it that? Hey, D- yeah, Dave, before before we jump into spoilers, can we do a little uh, Denny uh, Villeneuve uh, rundown? Because Peter, sure. Peter did a quick, quick toss out to, you know, the, and all of us have mentioned how big of a big fans we are, how, uh, how big of fans we are of him. But Peter actually referenced, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see where he goes next. And I just want to toss out for the, you know, obviously everybody knows the first one was Ridley Scott. Um, and when I heard that Denny, uh, Denny Villeneuve was going to be taking this one on, I was pretty stoked, but it's kind of like, um, it, it's a little different than some of the other films that he's done. And I've been a fan of all of them. So it's not at all in the hands of a director that we'd be concerned about, but it's a different style of film than a lot of what he's done. Um, so it was, it was definitely something that, you know, we're, I was pretty interested and I'm sure the rest of us were as well. And, I think it's pretty safe to say none of us are disappointed. Um, but just to, to toss out some, um, obviously, Prisoners, Sicario, and Arrival are some of his biggest. And I actually just purchased Enemy uh, to watch that since I was never able to figure out a way to watch that one with Jake Gyllenhaal. But those three are some of my favorite movies of the past five years. Um, and this 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 gentleman, is just he just knows what he's doing. And I'm going to see everything he puts out coming forward. He has a few others uh, that came out before that, but... Um, not necessarily in a language I speak, so I'm going to uh, <laughs> stick with those. Uh, and I mean, I, I guess that's probably a quicker thing to call out than I I kind of implied. But do you guys have anything else to add? Is is kind of our our fandom of this gentleman? I will say for what for how this film was, and when you go back and watch Blade Runner, the original one, and how it was filmed in terms of like the the vastness of the world in terms of like the the cinematography on it, I was not concerned and i understand exactly why they picked him for this particular movie when you think about how the arrival was filmed and stuff like that it's these grandeur very large scenes and just you know beautiful landscaping beautiful type of uh like cinematography in there so walking out of it i was like they were dead on when they picked him because they knew exactly how to bring him in for this type of thing so that's all i wanted to point on that so good sean no i was gonna say i I know when we we recorded an episode a while back uh, regarding the arrival, but uh, we spoke a lot about our affinity for some of the, the way he sets up scenes and the way he like portrays the landscapes in the film Um, definitely held true to that in this movie as Matt mentioned. And as you mentioned, Dave, I mean, it, it, I think that was the most engaging piece of the movie was the way that he set up each scene. So that was one of my favorite parts of it. Um, but yeah, Peter, did you have anything to add to that? I think it's really interesting because if you look at 
what he's done before. So, and can we, we kind of touched on it quickly. Prisoners, Enemy, Sicario, Arrival. They're all pretty different. And I think that is a huge testament to his skills, right? So Prisoners, for instance, is this very intense drama. It's, it's very character-driven. It's, it's hard to even classify it. And then you look at Sicario, and we're talking about this kind of drug lord, you know, uh, underworld type type film uh, rival is science fiction uh, i'm just thoroughly impressed with everything he does it doesn't seem like to me he's he doesn't follow the exact same uh, style elements in every single film from a cin- cinematography standpoint he does have a stamp and I, I feel like you can see that but there's a lot of directors where i feel like you can watch a bunch of their movies and go okay there's there's him interjecting this particular piece. And here's a good, good example. J.J. Um, Abrams loves to use a lens flare in the Star Trek movies. And when you see the first one, it's impressive. And then you see the second movie and you go, okay, there's his lens flare. He loves to use these. It, there, he doesn't really employ a lot of those elements in these movies. And I think it just shows that he has very unique, interesting style. He doesn't recycle things. And it's just all so good. So... It was a bit of rambling, but I'm just I'm thoroughly impressed with what he does. And it's it's kind of like a Christopher Nolan where he he just does such interesting, different things that you just I can't wait to see what he's going to do, because, you know, I could see him going back and doing some sort of historic movie or something completely out of what he's done before. And it could still be excellent. I completely agree. I like that. I I, I think about that. I like it. I was going to say, just to add to that, like, I think he's on par with Christopher Nolan in terms of like that aspect of the picturesque landscapes and ability to like add that into the movies that he directs. So um, there's probably maybe, I I mean, they're probably the top, uh, top of the class in terms of directors that do that. So, um, and that's, I think that's probably the most comparable director I can think of is Christopher Nolan to him. And just calls out some of the range aspects that that Peter was kind of mentioning. I want to echo that as well. But since we're talking about the visual style, and this is not to take away from uh, Denis Villeneuve in, in any in any way, but let's let's not forget about uh, Roger Deakins. A- again, I think I called out on the on the earlier episode that I'm not a, uh, a connoisseur of cinematographers, and they deserve more recognition, similar to writers, of course. Uh, for their contributions and the effort and work that they put into these. But Roger Deakins is the cinematographer on this film. And he did a, you know, he's been nominated for apparently 13 Oscars. And I think this might be the, the one he wins it on. Um, just to throw out, he's worked with uh, Denny on uh, Sicario earlier. So it's nice to see them to, you know, return to work together. And it's clearly worked out well as, as well as Prisoners. So the only one, um, you know, that we didn't have him on was Arrival. And that's kind of the one that we, we're referencing is kind of having those those kind of panning shots and 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 whatnot to the kind of are similar to this of course a completely different setting uh but just wanted to give him a little bit of credit uh just because of his contributions to this film and clearly denny villeneuve can go pretty much anywhere and a historical film is is definitely kind of going to be in his wheelhouse considering the range that he has and now that uh, christopher nolan's done that we <laughs> we know that uh yeah, I was about to yeah. say, like, he maybe have a superhero, like, trilogy. Yeah, he, I don't might, know. he might pick, maybe, maybe DC will hire him to do something. Um, but God, God, no, God please willing. Don't. Please no, 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 I, no. I think he knows he can stay where he's going. He can go wherever he needs to go. And I'm not sure if he has anything in production. Um, he's not going to have any shortage of uh, things to go on. But um, this is definitely the, the largest budget film he's worked on, um, without a doubt. Um, obviously, everything's been building up, but... Uh, 
just just phenomenal and i can't wait to see him uh, continue to uh to produce films for us to go watch and i do want to caveat that matthew vaughn was not on the same maybe level uh, but I had that same level of praise for him, and he dropped the bomb for me. Dropped the ball for me. So did you just rude that? Uh, oh no, no! I just, I, just, I, just, I just wanted to bring up how much I hated <laughs> Kingsman too, and and <laughs> I I don't I don't think Denny Villeneuve will, will do that to me. Let's not go wood for that one. Hey, you, you so. got you got you guys liked it. You guys don't need to buy, you guys don't need to humor me. Well, no, I don't want you ruining it, make you upset by the next film that comes out, and then we all hate it, and then we don't want to, we don't want to jinx it. Matt, so I we're, think we're, we're gonna, all we're gonna take in it. agreement that that movie definitely lacked uh, a little bit, but I think some of us just, you know, I, I mean, I think it's one of it's definitely it one of those films was. where you're not gonna go back and rewatch it multiple times like I will for the first one. That's that's basically what I came down to on that one. That's true, but. Yeah, and um, speaking of that, I think towards the end, I kind of want to discuss not just where in terms of sci-fi, but kind of where this falls in in his movies. Um, is I think those are completely separate discussions. Uh, so I want to save that towards the end, but I do want to call that as a talking point. All right. Well, I mean, I guess we can kind of start talking a little bit more about this uh, this film itself. So, uh, so Sean, you were kind of on the on the fence on this one. Not really on the fence, but more of a you know you weren't as impressed. You were recommending everybody go see it in uh, at home. Um, what were the big, the big negative takeaways for you? Just starting off, uh, negative, you always got to go negative, Dave. Um, well, I like to, I like <laughs> to bring out, you know, I like to give the bad news first and then we end on the positives, man. Come on. You got to always end on the positives. So people are happy to go see this movie. Yeah, I guess even though you hate it. if you're going to take it from that perspective, I guess I would say the things that, that I didn't really know how to engage with was just the storyline. Um, and maybe it's just the story in general. Like I don't. I guess I'd say I'm 50-50 on sci-fi movies. So maybe it's just the genre. I, I, I'm not sure. Because like, I didn't I didn't not like the movie, but I didn't like like walk out the theater loving it. So I think in terms of that, I, I mean, I'd say I'd, I'd, probably, I'd probably have to say that the disjointedness of the storyline itself, maybe that's the thing I didn't like the most. But uh, I have a hard time pointing a finger on anything on this movie, and, and that's why okay. it, it's just tough to to kind of give give a review on something that you just don't know where, like you, you know how like you you're just in a nice you're in a nice middle ground. Well, it's it just like you don't you have know. a you don't know what you you kind of have an idea what, like what you think you don't like and what you did like and but you know you can't put your finger yeah on it. It, it's just tough for me. I get that. So uh, I, get I mean that. I I keep going back and forth like I mean there's certain things like I I, I don't understand like. I know I brought this up earlier before we get started, but like, like Jared Leto to me is is a guy who you know I think he's a good actor when used properly, and I'm I'm curious like that was one of the things that I didn't know necessarily if he added a lot to the movie for me, um, but that's one thing I can call out. I mean I like the idea of the storyline that they tie in with with some things that happened in the previous film, um, which are we in spoilers now? Can I get into that? Yeah, by all means, go so, for it. So, like, well, like, why, why you're on that, real quick? What is everybody else's opinion on on Jared Leto in this in this film? As uh, I'm blanking on his name, what he was called, whatever the Tyrell Corporation was backed off of. Wallace, Wallace. was it Wallace? Yeah. Oh, Wallace. Yeah. I mean, did y'all did y'all think he he fit this role at all? I, I personally, I thought he did a great job in the role he was given. Um, exactly, Peter. To be, to your point, like I didn't think he was a bad actor. I just don't know. Like he, it's the character. Like, I don't it's know the character what he you did. have a problem like, with. He didn't really. I thought he was good, but like 
was he underutilized? What was was he properly utilized? Was there a closure with that character? Was is there room for a sequel? Like I have no idea. I think they're gonna take the Joker approach. <laughs> have a spin off movie with uh with it with uh his female interest. He's gonna get a new uh new uh kind of partner uh named Gromit. You mean and they're gonna you uh mean. <laughs> and it's gonna be directed by Denny Villeneuve. <laughs> Uh, if he makes the move to claymation, my God, we'll, we'll be in. Uh... <laughs> You'll be like, we've, it's, it's back, it's back. No, I don't want to see that. <laughs> well, I, I think, I think to your point, Sean. Uh, to me, I that was a character where, and I, I don't know how I feel about it either, and not, not in a good or bad way, just more. I, I don't know if they meant to have him play kind of a bit. He was like a parallel if... to Tyrell, like. Uh, that's that's Somewhat, exactly what like, I took him as. Um, I just don't know, like, if he he didn't necessarily have like, I know he didn't suffer the same fate, but like, he just was sort of like there was no there was no like I don't know. I just thought that they they kind of dropped that the ball with that character. There's just no there's no closure, which is why yeah. I think it's an interesting villain because he he really isn't even the villain, honestly, in the movie. The real villain is uh, um, I'm trying to think of her what? name. Oh uh, um, yeah. In fact, his, uh, his love. Lackey. Yeah, love. Yeah, that, that's. I mean, that's his the actual villain in the movie. So that's why I I think I understand where you're coming from, Sean, because you watch this and you look at the marketing and you go, okay, here's the big bad, but he's really not the big bad. I mean, he is the one pulling the strings, but he doesn't really do anything. And because there's no closure in the movie by the end, you kind of are left going, you know, what are they? To me, it's were they planning to do that, and was that just the way it's meant to be left, or are we going to get a sequel? And it's not something that bothers me enough to say I think it was bad. It's just uh, you know I think it just kind of leaves you open ended. So I mean, they definitely to me they definitely opened up for a sequel, which is maybe why they they may have kept him alive, kind of thing. Just kind of left him kind of off because I mean, if you think about it, what they kind of set up for a sequel goes against his his i guess dream that he was he was kind of shooting for so but it's weird because it's like a his dream for them is kind of what they already are dreaming about or they're working toward so that was the part that was kind of confusing to me and do y'all see what i'm saying there real quick did it make any sense Yeah, real quick before we get into that though dave i just want to comment on both you, you guys referencing a sequel i think you know they very well could do one I think one of the strongest aspects of this movie, especially in the current um, uh, movie uh, world that we live in, I think this is a perfectly good standalone movie. Um, even if you hadn't oh, seen con- Blade Runner, concur. I think you're fine. Um, I don't think this is setting up a universe or a world. And I don't, I'm not saying you guys are saying that either. I just wanted to highlight that for, for folks listening. Um, you know, this isn't a setup of a world or a universe or a trilogy or an anthology series, we may very, may very well get one, um, but I think the it, this is a self-contained movie. It's not like Empire Strikes Back or Pirates of the Caribbean two or Hunger Games Part three, Part one, or whatever. Um, this is a movie with a start, a middle, and an end, and the universe does, of course, have room to expand and continue access, access, uh, aspects of this story. But we're not tied to it. You you're not left with uh, yeah. You you have closure there. As you mentioned yeah, with Tyrell, exactly. there there are of course driving motivating factors for for um, Wallace that you didn't have for Tyrell at the end of that because obviously uh, we all know what happened at the end of Blade Runner. Um, 
but uh, I just wanted to toss that out. No, there. I, no, appreciate the clarification for everybody. Just yeah, I mean, it, it, it was very, it was sim- set up similar to how the original Blade Runner was, where you know it has the the openness for a sequel, but you don't necessarily need one. It's a the the story's over with from from that little perspective. But like you said, like the universe does, or I guess that world does have the ability to expand upon. But if they don't go into it, you're not left, you know, wanting more or not left wanting on how this film happened to end. It was open and shut. It was it was the the book was um, didn't you know leave room for any additional stuff. So and to, definitely agree. And thanks for the clarification. And, when, Appreciate and to that. be fair, I think that I don't think the director would have taken the movie if he had to go directly, you know, letter the law of the original film, because I think that's part of the autonomy that that he was given in this role or in this in the director of this film was that he had the ability to make it sort of his own thing so um just seconding on what matt was saying i think that that it it does have its the standalone you know piece to it and more props to him is that you know you know we've been we've been talking about much and to be honest with you i didn't even realize he was uh directing it until actually i sat down this evening and I actually looked at it. for some reason I still thought it was Ridley Scott who was doing it. I knew he was producing it, but I didn't know he was actually not directing it. And I didn't really notice a big difference between the two, just mainly because we've watched both of them kind of, you know, in such close proximity to each other. So call me impressed. Yeah, and in terms of that, Dave, just to go off of that, I think that's one of the one of the stronger aspects of it, right? Is that they didn't. Um, they didn't do what J.J. Abrams did to Star Trek, right? I loved the yeah. 2009 reboot of Star Trek. I know a lot of people uh, maybe were uh, taken aback by the change versus the original series. Um, but I think that was a great update. I think it was a lot of fun. They took the series in a different direction, and that was fine. Denis Villeneuve did a completely the complete opposite with this one. Is He, he made it his own, but he also kept in keeping... <laughs> he also was in keeping with the original feeling of of the original Blade Runner and just a phenomenal job to that respect. And on that, um, from, you know, from a writer's perspective, producer perspective, wherever it came from, probably all of the above, uh, the way that they tied in so many nuanced um, kind of call up callbacks to the original series, you know, in terms of product placement and uh, some of the technologies, um, they did a great job there. We we look at the original uh, Star Wars versus the prequel trilogy where our technology advanced. So they kind of made some leaps um, to the past, you know, Star Wars technologies that surpassed the, the original series. I don't know if that makes sense. This movie took the the technology that 1982 predicted for 2019, uh, improved upon it for 2049 with some of our current technology's expectations, but also with references to the 1982 version of 2019 technology. I don't know if that makes sense, but I think that was one of my favorite things about the movie was how they stayed true to the future that they predicted in 1982 with the appropriate advances advancements for 25 years or whatever math dictates 2019 to 19 2049 <laughs> is 27 37 years 34 whatever <laughs> well no and and, and it, to be honest and, and i think that was one of the cool things that was nice little nods here and there that you could see like the atari stuff uh the pan am um i'm trying to think of the other companies that i saw that were just like it's like it's nice little nods to the previous film of these companies that were in existence when this this film, the original one, was made and assumed that it went through. So 
Yeah. And what's funny is you guys bring that up and I was reading an article kind of explaining some of those pieces and parts because some people might look at that and go, you know, Pan Am, that's kind of odd because at the time the original was made, Pan Am was a huge airline. So, I mean, rightfully so, of course, they have Pan Am up there and obviously we all know Pan Am is gone. Um, so they were trying to explain that the the purpose of this is that it's basically telling you this is almost like an alternate reality in which, you know, we live in a world where these brands continued on. So the Ataris and the Pan Am still exist. And it I don't know if you guys picked up on it, but uh, it, not only are those those two brands around, but one of the explanations for why is if you notice there is no Internet in this movie. You notice every time he has to go look at records, he's looking at these almost like hard hard line records and he actually goes into a a vault or a record room and early in the movie and they kind of explain something about i don't remember what they call it if they call it the black or the dark or something oh yeah the blackout yeah the blackout yeah so so the the background there is that they're basically trying to explain that there was a time in history where you know this something happens and it seems as if they allude to some sort of a nuclear war and it wiped out all records in, in terms of the internet and everything that was on storage. So that is what essentially led to some of these brands still existing because the world didn't progress as we know it. Right. So it, they're, they're trying to kind of explain away the, the uh, kind of the retro future that they're living in, in 2049. And I, I think it's just fun and it's kind of a small <laughs> Easter egg. And honestly, I, I think I read that before I went to go see the movie. So as I was watching, I kind of picked up on a lot of those little weird things happening, which is pretty interesting. That's interesting. I actually did not even realize that until you pointed it out. I uh, now kind of want to go back and watch it again and uh, check that out because I did notice that it was all the records, but I just assumed it was because, you know, whatever the little the little balls that they had were kind of, I thought that was kind of an interesting. Uh, a holographic balls or whatever. The yeah, heck whatever were. the yeah. heck those things. I like yeah. the way you guys say balls. <laughs> i i mean it's it's kind of fun and it i think to me matt you kind of mentioned this is a self-contained movie which is great and what's super interesting about you know some of these easter eggs and and the lore that they build up in this movie is that if you wanted to you could literally go make two three four more movies because there's enough in this that you could mm-hmm. you could start to explain i mean Again, you could you could build off more on on Wallace's character. You could build off more on why they live in this world and what disasters happened and why you know Las Vegas. Why is Las Vegas a wreck? You know, there's a lot of things you could go off into, but at the same time, you don't have to, and you literally can walk away and go, "This is a great movie by itself." So, well, one of the things you brought that up, Peter, and the thing I kept thinking in the movie was that it's always snowing. So I f- I figured that it was like a nuclear winter. Um, which yeah. I, I didn't, I like, I, you know, thinking about it now after having this conversation, yeah, I thought about that, but I didn't know if that was an actual thing. But with the, I didn't even think about the blackout being the, you know, the, the effects of a nuclear uh, war, but everything seems to make a lot more sense now because there's that consistent snow, there's that consistent just cloud over everything. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely a lot there to go back in deep you know, deep dive into, but yeah, I mean, for, for, for what it is, it's definitely, it's definitely an interesting movie. And there's some, some things that, you know, I, I, I gotta say this, like, um, the actors definitely had me engaged because, um, from, 
you know, from the choice of Gosling is the main, you know, sort of K is the, the, you know, the blade, the blade runner in this film. Um, I mentioned this earlier, but like even, even Harrison Ford, I thought did a great job in this movie, which it's been a while since I've said Harrison Ford and great job in, in one, one movie, um, which Matt can appreciate. Uh, even though I like Star just, Wars. I was just going to give you a second. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, I thought that it, just everything from the direct, the reason I like this movie is from the directing down to the acting. I thought it all, it all played well. Like it's just, I, I just, I think the story itself is just, I, I, I don't, I'm indifferent toward it. So, but a lot of good things in this movie that, that I think there's, you know, it's worth noting. Um, and, and I know it's not going to get the acclaim that, you know, that some movies will get in terms of from the Academy and things like that, but it still bears, bears noting that this is a very well acted, directed film. Um, and Ryan, you know, Ryan Gosling definitely has the chops to hold his own in these sort of, you know, bigger pictures ever since he was, you know, I'd probably say drive was like the movie that people talk about that. He first burst on the scene as an act, like a, not just like a, you know, romantic comedy sort of heartthrob actor, heartthrob. Yeah. I think that's the first movie he gets some credit for. Um, you're not going to go all the way back to the Mickey mouse club days. No, that's, that's more hot. He was on teen people. Come on. But, uh, yeah, I mean, as much as I like, I've loved a lot of the movies he's been in. Like, um, you know, I'm a big fan of the big, the big short. So I think he, uh, he was great in that movie, but, um, yeah, like him, like I said, Harrison Ford, uh, I, <laughs> I kept referring to her as the girl from, I can't think of her name, the girl from War Dogs. Uh, uh, Ana de Armas. Oh, yeah. yeah. Best, but, one of the best parts of that movie. Yeah, but she, you know, she that was sort of an interesting take with like the 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 virtual, um, so it kind of reminded me of the movie. Uh, her. Uh, was it Her, exactly, yeah. with uh, Scarlett Johansson and uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Um, so funny. So so actually, real quick, while you mentioned that, I don't know what you're okay, going to get into this, Dave. I haven't seen that movie, so okay. just wanted to caveat that. Oh well, so at the very end, uh, so of, of of this movie, do you remember when he's standing on the bridge and he kind of has that realization when she says all that stuff uh, to him when joy. he's on the bridge and yeah, when Joy the the I'm going to call it the advertisement version of Joy kept saying everything to him. Yeah, the advertisement. And, he, and called him the Joe advertisement. And... Yes. He called him Joe, says uh she oh, what was it? There was a couple other little things like that. And I think he realized that everything was not real, I guess. And that is when it tied me to and and Matt earmuffs <laughs> uh tied me to uh to her a lot. That was that was a big that was a big reveal for me. I thought that was really interesting and, and kind of cool that that if they weren't intending that, they definitely it definitely spiked for me on that particular part. And I think if you've seen her, you understand what I'm talking about. But so yeah, like there's a lot of things that like that I keep jumping around on this, but like there's just a lot of things to enjoy in this movie, which which makes me think it's one of those ones that am I going to go back and watch it multiple times? No. Will I watch it at least one more time? Probably. Uh, I'm ninety percent sure I will. Um, but yeah, when you buy your seventy, you know your seventy inch four K. Oh, the four K, exactly. It it's you. gonna be perfect for. We're that. all coming to watch it up there with you. So yeah. Wait, you it's guys don't have seventy inch four K yet? Yeah, geez, get on it, guys. <laughs> what do you guys do? What do you guys do this? Uh, what do you guys do with your money? Um, watch 
720p televisions. <laughs> well, wow. I was going to say I spend it on popcorn and ices when I go to the movie theater. I'm so, pretty you sure know, streaming that, that, is only 720 That, that makes me... Ex- that's, that's, pop, pop, that's popcorn and ices are more expensive than 720p. I was just... Yes, it is. I basically I can buy say, a TV every time. Dave, no, just forego yeah. like three movies of buying that, and you'll be able to buy a, a 4K And actually, television. Sean, like just, a just in case you really do only have a 720p <laughs> TV, they stream in... 1080 and 4K. So I'm, uh, I have 1080 TV, but anyway. Okay, then you're fine. Uh, yeah. Um, so you <laughs> we were talking about, about there. Yeah. There was concern. There was absolutely concern. Um, so you were talking about, um, you know, some of the how this movie might go down uh, in terms of you know recognition, and I, I think it's going to get the recognition. Um, if it doesn't get the recognition from the the Academy, uh, we'll we'll have to question some of their. Uh, some of their opinions more so than we maybe do in the past have in the past. Um, I've been questioning their opinions of the past five years. Yeah. So, so, so we'll yeah. see, but, uh, but a lot yeah. of times they still nominate, right. They, you know, so we'll, I, I think we'd be surprised if this didn't get quite a few nominations. We'll have to see. Um, but I do want to, I do want to say critically it's, I think it's doing okay. I haven't actually looked, I'm just assuming, but in terms of box office performance, it did not do as well as I expected. Now, I think it's $32 million, uh, domestic, which isn't anything to scoff at, but I think it's definitely lower than predictions, and I think it's lower than it should have been. For whatever it, reason, it people are well still going overseas. to see it. It did do well overseas? I mean, they made $50 million overseas. I think it's up okay. to 80, it was like 85 I think, uh, or 80 to 85 uh, all in. All in. All so, right. so that's that's fun. I still, I would still like this movie to to make uh, a bit more. Um, yeah, it it was a good movie, um, but you know, and you know, Golden Circle, those both still made over eight million. It it had a you know a larger take than than uh, Golden Circle, but I think people should be going to see this see this movie. <laughs> so not, so maybe, maybe it's maybe it's just going to be a word of mouth type movie where people were like uh oh, Blade Runner why why would I want to go see that again? You know, considering how, you know, a lot of these remakes of movies haven't really done well other than, you know, a few of them. So maybe maybe next weekend will be bigger. I mean, you know? I I say that, but 90% of the people I talk to, if they were to ask me to see a movie, I'd say to go see American Made or It before I'd tell them to go see Blade Runner just cuz I know that they might not want to sit for three hours and this might not be their take. So I I complain, but I completely understand. I think so. That's a great point. Right. So I uh, and we've kind of hinted on this all along. So you kind of talked about box office, right? This was supposed to make somewhere between I think they're estimating somewhere between like 45 and 55 million. So, I mean, 31 is a huge ways off. And the budget for this was one hundred and fifty million dollars. So. I think they, they say the multiplier has to be like two and a half times its budget for it to actually break even. So, I mean, it's got a long ways to go. So, I mean, this could literally be a huge flop. But I'm all that being said, I am really curious on what you guys think on why it made so little. Because I honestly believe a huge reason this isn't making that much is that people are very cautious in terms of seeing a movie on the length of the movie. Because you just... I mean... For somebody to say I'm going to give up, kind of like going to listen to a podcast. I agree. Yeah, especially a two-part podcast. <laughs> Each part no, being but, an hour I mean, and a half. So, so you, if you end up, if you end up looking at what it would take you to go to the movie, it's going to be probably about three and a half hours all in. When you talk about travel previews in the movie, and that I mean, people 
barely have enough time to freaking play a game on their on their cell phones. I mean, they play Candy Crush because they don't have time to play a real game. So, is I this twenty fifteen already? <laughs> no, people might still play that game. I don't know. I have a coworker who does, so don't yeah. worry. It, it's we make fun of them all the time. To what Matt was saying, I just don't necessarily know if people are as into sci-fi as much as they used to be, um, or if just people weren't into this movie as like the general movie-going person might not know shit about you know Blade Runner. I, I think, I think they, they know took... about it, but they probably had a bad, not a bad experience, but like just kind of the same experience we all had, which where you were like. I kind of remember watching it, but I'm not really sure. But see, I mean, I even disagree. when this first got announced, I think people are I think people are naive to the fact that a lot of moviegoers don't aren't aware of movies that were released 30 years ago. Um, as much hype as it has from like the the I'm trying to think of the movies that are like oh cult following like like Blade Runner has more of a cult following. So yeah, those people that um, that follow the, the original went out and saw this, but I don't know if like you know, generic fan uh, or generic moviegoer wouldn't know as much about this movie as, as the cult follower would. So just to um, jump in on that, Sean, I, I just want to say, I think they would be aware. I just don't think they necessarily care because there's people that I know that are yeah, aware fair, of Blade exactly. Runner. They just don't care. Fair point. I think that hurts the box office draw is the fact that, you know, the unfamiliarity is as with a lot of other films. So, um, you know, you can't take that for granted. The fact that there's been 32 years and a lot of people don't know about this movie. So I feel like they expected more people to have, you know, known about the movie than, than what might, or not known, but like been fans of the movie than, than what actually are. I, I think that's a fair point, Sean. And and I, I definitely have some surprise friends that are very interested in seeing this movie. Um, they're not they're, they're not surprise friends. There's some friends who I'm surprised are interested in, in seeing this. Uh, like, I hey, like it word as surprise more, more friends. That, that I was have, much I better. Surprise, not friends. Surprise, uh, I have friends. <laughs> but, you know, it's to the length, as Peter mentioned, but also to the style of film that the original Blade Runner was. Most people are ready to go see more of a Star Trek or a Star Wars when they're looking at sci-fi. Uh, and they know that the they know the pacing and the type of story they should expect to see. Um, yeah. Not to say that those are uh, they omit complex uh, storytelling, but they they are a bit more straightforward. They're more maybe linear in their in their telling of, of, of what's happening. Um, and so, and there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of times, I go to see a movie strictly to be entertained. I don't want to have to think. Um, and this movie's not necessarily, I'm not trying to say this movie's a, a very, uh, thinking movie. Right. And it is right. But I'm not saying you have to go into it with that expectation or with that hope. Uh, but if you know, you don't want to have that, uh, it's pretty easy to say, meh, I don't really want to feel like thinking. And there's plenty of movies, right? I didn't see the big short for a really long time. And I didn't see a few other movies where if I missed the initial, um, you know, the initial flood of, uh, seeing that film. I may not go into it. And obviously, this is the opening weekend. We'll see what, what kind of goes on for it. But I'd, I'd love to see more people to go in to see it, just to give it a shot and see what see what the masses think. All right. Um, so, um, interesting little thing I do want to bring up. Um, and this was kind of just something that it, it kind of blew my mind. And I was kind of – I wanted to point it out to you all real quick. Um, was the, uh, the, the Sean Young uh, – Who's Sean Young? 
That's, that, I said the same thing, Matt. It's all it's right. uh, I, I will, Laura all right, Seinhorn. So, uh, Finkel and Einhorn. Finkel is Einhorn. Her yes. name is Sean Young? Yes. I never knew her name. Yeah, I, actually, same, I've same. looked it up before. I just I, I'm glad you're on the same page as I was because I did the same thing. All right. So... So one, so one of the interesting things that I, I thought I, I noticed actually when I was kind of doing a little uh, research on the film afterwards was uh, that they actually credited Sean Young for uh, this film. So it kind of brought up an interesting thing in that if they use someone and, – and for those of you who don't know, Sean Young was actually Rachel from – the uh, original Blade Runner. So, if you did your, you, you know, you did your due diligence and watched the original one, uh, she was that main character that uh, turned out to be a replicant at the. Uh, I guess you know they they introduce her as you know, three quarters and or you know a quarter way into the movie that she's a replicant. And, and if you didn't do due diligence, you now know she's a replicant. Well, they they tell you very quickly. Well, you find out so, in this movie anyway. So if you're listening as to us we, at this point, you know. Yeah, at this point, you pretty much know. And as if you don't know who Sean Young is, as apparently some of these people on the podcast did not, uh, she was uh, she was uh, Ray Finkel, and also if you Einhorn. remember that. Oh no, she's always Ray Finkel. Finkel and Einhorn. Einhorn is Finkel. Finkel is Einhorn. But yeah, so they actually credit her with this film. So, and I think it was. I think the only way they did it was by using like the. The I think it was just like stuff. No, but no, but that it was they used some like scenes from the original one in her voice. So can they credit her for that? Well, so just to just to jump in on that, they also played audio from the original as well as some clips yeah. from the original. So that alone is enough to get a credit. Um, oh, really? Okay, that depending, that was what but did, would kind of confuse. I assume me. you're jumping into the. Uh, well, then there's the next then CGI, yeah. which we've so seen then with there's Leia that next the Leia stuff. Yeah. yeah. So that was the next point because I I noticed that they they credited her as on the film and then they credited um whoever played her double uh So while, while you're looking that up every now and then they'll go back and update the credit to say archive footage um or something of the like um but in this okay. case they may not because they did some sort of CG representations yeah. of her. Lauren Petta not familiar with her, uh, but uh, yeah, so she, uh, yeah, not really, not too much, but she was actually the, we're going to call her the Princess Leia uh, body double from uh, Rogue One, or uh, yeah, Rogue One. So, very interesting, I, I noticed it. Um, what did y'all think of that? that uh, Wait, Rogue that, One? Wasn't it? From? No, Rogue One is, uh, they, they, this they, is uh, Moff Tarkin. I, I was thinking about they also did Princess Leia at the end of Rogue yeah, One. Yeah, so there's two. That's why. That's why I, that's that why I was saying. Oh, that. I yeah. was just. I thought you were saying that Lauren Petta was in Rogue One, and I was mm. confused. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> I'm just saying. Basically, using the exact same thing they used where what they did for Princess Leia, which was use a body double and then kind of like you know molded her face CGI over her. Yeah. Um, I mean, let's Sean, let's not forget one Sean of the Young's first casual. ones, which was uh, Jeff Bridges in uh, Tron Legacy. Oh God. That was so terrible. It actually, I at the time, it looked quite good. Um, obviously, on a repeated viewings, it didn't. But at the time, yeah, I think it was a technology so advanced. Now he's a shiny fun. action figure when you rewatch it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But it's bad. But, I'm still going to admit at the time, I thought it looked good. No, yeah, but in, I, I thought in Star Wars, like they did, in Rogue One, to, I mean, to, for, to Dave's point, I thought it looked fine. Like, I mean, they used Tar- Tarkin and, uh, and Leia, so... Tarkin looked good. I think they stayed on Leia a little too much. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah. It, did, it should have done more of a shadowy kind of figure. But so funny thing that I did notice about that scene where they actually did the body double on this, um, and I thought it was a nice, nice little reference of how they they showed the differences between what happened in 2019 and what has upgraded to 2049. Is they showed her her fashions, her fashion like they showed her exactly how she was in Blade Runner, 
and it was so offset from everything else everybody else was wearing that it looked awkward. And I was like, oh, that's actually kind of an interesting thing that they, they show in that contrast of how she is considered older and she's dead. And then basically what ends up happening with uh, with uh, Harrison Ford's character and uh, Decker basically, you know, shuns her. I think but that, I, I, th- I think that, that I thought that was kind a, of interesting. I think they did that as both a fan service, um, but also as just a hey, Harrison Ford's old. He remembers her from the eighties, or the eighties yeah. depiction of the future. We'll give him as he remembered her, and that you know, I think that was well, sad, thought, but it, it I, stood out to me I, as well. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it stood you, out because it was her just very in a pantsuit. So with, sh- with shoulder, <laughs> pads. that was dude. That was a that was a that was some shoulder pads from hell, man. Damn. <laughs> She could have taken out. She was like a full blown linebacker with those things. Yeah. Damn. I, I, that, sorry, that was just the one thing that jumped out at me when I saw the movie. I was like, "Yep, she definitely is still rocking the '80s shoulder pads." But anyway, I thought that was that was that was that was a uh, that was an interesting thing. So okay, so you know we we've been talking all about the the film and everything like that. So, um, and we've been kind of talking about replicants and and I thought it was interesting how they kind of introduced. And again, this is heavily into spoilers. First scene. Or I guess first few minutes of the first scene, we are told that Goslin is a replicant right off the bat, and he's and he's a and he's a uh, and he's a Blade Runner. Um, how did y'all feel about that? Did y'all know that going into it that he was going to be a uh, a replicant, or were y'all more of a uh, kind of waiting to see he was going to be human or not? I, I, he looks I so just, perfect. I assume he's a replicant in real life. <laughs> <laughs> he's a lizard person. Come on, Matt. You know that. Is that an SNL sketch I should get? Nobody, nobody knows about the lizard people that are taking over the world. I'm not familiar with that, but I do love him Crap more than people. ever because of Papyrus. Man. Y'all need to have some more conspiracy theorists at work with you. It's, oh, Papyrus! It's a... <laughs> we do need that. That, that that needs to be in like a, a, a real film. Uh, and, and the Papyrus reference is actually an SNL skit. Uh, for those of you who are listening, uh, go look it up. Uh, it's, if you've seen <laughs> you'll Avatar, appreciate it. you'll appreciate it. <laughs> SNL Papyrus. That's all you need. Uh, Google it. Great. It's a fair point. <laughs> but yeah, so we all were y'all surprised about Gosselin being the uh, the replicant? Like how quickly they they said he was a replicant, like right off the bat. I mean, yes, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess yes, but uh, I think it's you know once they you get to the scene where uh, they say, hey, you, you know, how do you feel to kill your own? I was like, oh, he's he's you know he is what he is. Like I'm at least you know up front. Like instead of having to wait and see if you know said character is or is not a replicant and what the deal is with with all of the above so um i guess it's nice to have a you know an understanding it was clear yeah yeah it was clear it was it was a better understanding of, of what that this one kind of and that's kind of what we've been talking about is this one was a little bit easier to follow in terms of that as opposed to the previous one where it was a lot of open-endedness on it and they even reference how long it would take for them to you know back in the old days how long it would take them to identify a replicant as opposed to now it was shine this little thing in your eye and boom you're a replicant kind of thing so i uh, i did kind of like to your point sean there's the dialogue exchange of you know how do you feel about killing your own i don't know if you guys remember but at least for me i i kind of wasn't ready to accept it immediately because he said how do you feel about killing your own and then he goes you know i don't kill my own we don't run or something along those lines and so i went oh well maybe he's Maybe he thinks he's a replicant. And then I immediately after that, when they get into a fight, 
he continues to bash his head against the wall and throws him through the wall. You're like, all right, now we for sure know he's a replicant. Like there's no, (laughs) there's no debating it, which again, I think makes it easier for a casual viewer because some of the things are nuanced because the dialogue's pretty quiet and it's, you know, they don't, they don't fully explain what they're talking about. It's just kind of in simple words. So if you hadn't seen the original film, you wouldn't really know what the hell a replicant is anyway. Um, so if you read the beginning, you would know. Right? Yeah, they, they definitely get the same rundown as they had in the Blade Runner original. It's like just Peter different. doesn't read. Let's not insult him about it. <laughs> you can't even read. I love Billy Madison so much. <laughs> I think that's I think that's just side, yes. side note, Matt. I think that's from uh, Big Daddy. But anyway, yeah, you're right. <laughs> as soon as I said that, I was like, "Fuck!" I said the wrong movie, but I can't think of the right movie, and nobody's calling me out on. It. I don't know what to do. Okay, all right. So last last little thing. All right. So you know th- we've been talking about kind of Goslin and him being an actual replicant right off the bat. Um, so just kind of a little throwback, and I know this is always something that everybody likes to argue, and uh, over the past is. Was Deckard actually a replicant? What did you, did y'all feel like they were? They gave any clarity to that in this film at all? Uh, to kind of, you know, supplement what everybody's always debated coming out of the original Blade Runner, or you think they just kind of left it off to the off to the side of never? We're not even going to acknowledge it. So kind of talk about it from the first one. I always assumed he was, um, and I think it's probably because I had, you know, subconscious opinions from other folks before I saw the movie, right? Um, I had, you know, movies and references and other people talking about the movie before I went and saw it. So I had preconceived notions of what Deckard was. I didn't know throughout the movie one way or the other, but at the ending, kind of assumed. Um, Again, I didn't know. I saw the movie 20 plus years after it came out. So there were plenty of people telling me what was happening, right? And Um, and 30 different versions of it. Exactly. Though I did, after seeing a clip of the narration... Uh, version today i Uh did learn that i never have never seen that and i'm pretty happy about it so if you if you are seeing it for the first time make sure you're not watching the one with the voiceover Um, is that the harrison ford voiceover that's the harrison ford voiceover so i I stick to the final cut i've seen that fine um but so there was never any doubt uh to me that he was a replicant um i accept that he may not be and even now i do but based on wallace's um you know you know his his importance of, of finding the the child. Uh, obviously, the the female, the mother, was the more important component of that. Uh, I assumed that the the you know he didn't want to have replicants breeding with humans to make replicants more efficiently. I assumed he wanted replicants and replicants reproducing. So to that that kind of solidifies him being you know Harrison Ford Deckard yeah. uh, being a uh, a replicant. But I did want to add that. With the Ryan Gosling piece, I was happy that they didn't drag it out. There, there was no mystery about him being a replicant. They created their own yep. mystery with their own twists associated to it. I think they did a good job there. So I'm glad that since we had the mystery of Harrison Ford's character, uh, whether or not he was a replicant, and also by you know, to that point for the entire part of the portion of the movie up until the last couple minutes, there was really no mystery, right? He was a human. Yeah. Um, and then yep. at the end, you find out. In this case... You didn't know for five minutes, and then for the rest of the movie, you knew he was a replicant. So they kind of flipped it. And I think they did a great job there of, of not reusing the same um, uh, device from the first film. Um, you know, Force Awakens could take some cues from this film, but, you know, <laughs> too late there. But on that note, to Sean's point, Harrison Ford did do a, uh, a great job in this one versus Force, you know, some of his other films. 
But that's my take on his Deckard replicant character. So I'll uh, so I'll ask just one last question, and this is kind of something that, that kind of bothered me uh, from the the beginning. Twenty seven. Kind of started at the beginning. Yes. <laughs> no. So at the very beginning, they say the reason that they allowed the the replicants on the planet was because they uh, that it, when he re, when he reengineered them, they were to obey everyone. Correct. That was one of the key reasons why they were now to, able to be on Earth, as opposed to the Tyrell replicants, which could not be on Earth. That was the main purpose of the first one um the interesting thing was was that at the very end of the movie they're showing all the replicants starting to rebel so what happened to this whole obey thing and that you know the also other thing was they kept mentioning that uh uh k could not lie but he lied a lot in this film so what what are y'all's opinions on that did y'all think it was like their evolution kind of thing that it was happening or life finds or a way Oh, thank you for Jurassic Park quotes. <laughs> number, number two, right? <laughs> three, yeah, thank you. We'll take it. Yeah, we'll take it. Two or three. Since we couldn't get Love Actually, and I'm glad we got Jurassic Park. Multiple. Uh, we'll take it. Indeed. So, yeah, any uh, any thoughts on that? If if not, we can just cut it, and we can end it. I don't. So that's a no. All right. So, <laughs> I mean, I just thought it was an interesting thing to kind of, if there was anything derived from that. But if not, you know. I mean, really, besides the snarky life finds a way, um, that's kind of one of the interesting aspects of it, right? It's, we, you know, it's, and that's one of the, the style of the Blade Runner franchise. They, you know, it's one of those movies in the series, now series, where we don't always get answers to everything, um, but we kind of see snippets of a, a, yeah. a grander uh, world. And I, 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 to your point, you know, early people were talking about sequels or other pieces. We may get them and we may learn about it, but I'd be perfectly content not um, learning about it. And I'm sure uh, wiser people than I will start writing, you know, theories about this or explanations about some of this. And I'm interested to read them, Um, but I I didn't pick up on much more uh, during the viewing. All right. Well, you know, it was just one of the things I just happened to notice and was just curious if anybody had had picked up on it as well. So maybe it's like a... It, it, kind of like how on the first one, you know, what they were telling you was not exactly yeah. um, completely true. So maybe the the big thing that they couldn't, uh, they had to have human emotions to, to, you know, to actually live and thrive and stuff like that. Maybe it was some kind of reason for that, and they could lie occasionally and stuff like that. I don't know. I'm just, I thought it was so kind of a curious on thing. The, on the lying, I didn't remember the no lying. I knew that you had to uh, obey, um, but I didn't know if obeying was... You could do some sort of omission where you could lie, and I also thought that was a good way to twist the you know the theory or the uh, you know you're of course leaning towards you know the original series Deckard is a replicant. That's the story you you get to kind of wonder. This one yeah. is is he a, is he a, a a replicant who was you know birthed who was born? Yeah, um, and him being able to lie would obviously kind of enable that theory. Uh, so that's, that's well, they, good, but the rebellion piece was definitely the, the, the bigger question to me than the lying. And I completely agree. It's, it's very curious and it, it's definitely an interesting aspect. And really the only reason I had the, 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 the comment on the lion is I think Robin Wright's character, uh, the Lieutenant, she made a comment about it that he, she said that, you know, Kay couldn't lie to her or something like that. And I wasn't sure if that was the case. So maybe he can't lie if he's asked the right question or something. I don't know, but that was really the only reference to it that I thought about. So, and but I noticed as the film would go on, he would make up things or you know omit facts. So 
I don't know. But actually, you, you brought up an interesting point is if you remember during the discussion when Deckard was talking with uh, Wallace, he did mention Wallace did mention to him that he may he kind of hinted at that he was purposely set up with Rachel for a particular reason. Did y'all catch that? I did. And that was the kind of the biggest kind of retcon to the original series. That yeah. We saw. And so it was pretty subtle, as you mentioned. So uh, I'm curious of the other the other folks thoughts on that. Yeah, I'm a. I, I didn't. It kind of turned me away from the whole him being human thing, but then I'm still on the fence if he was replicant or not. So I was very, very confused. I think that was the one scene where they tried to mess with you because if you, the way he phrased that to start was he start started saying, you know, yeah, we designed you to do this. So it's like, oh yeah, they're confirming he's a replicant, and then he said, or we didn't, or or we, yeah. you know, he he completely reversed it. So. I think that was basically them just completely fucking with everybody to be like, hey, guys, we, we confirmed this. And like, no, we didn't. Yeah. Now now you have to completely double take on everything. So uh, and there was another thing that was interesting is that uh, Harrison Ford kind of he doesn't do anything that's replicant like. And now that you get to compare him to K. Uh, so there's one scene in particular when they're in Vegas and Kay like bursts through the wall, you know, when they're running to the car. I mean, Harrison Ford doesn't do anything superhuman at any point throughout the any of the movies. So you have to wonder if that's also trying to tell you something. But I think it's probably just, you know, reading too far into it. No, I think that's a good call out, Peter. And I think and my, my, my interpretation of it, and sorry, Dave, you can go. No, uh, you go for it. No, no, no. Um, my interpretation of it is, is more of he doesn't, you know, he didn't know he was a replicant. And so he didn't ever attempt, right? Like if you're Harry Potter and you come across uh, platform 13 and a half or nine and three quarters or whatever the hell it is. Um, if you're not Harry Potter, you're not going to try to run through that because you don't think you can do it. But if you're a wizard, you're going to fucking jump through it. And that's my analogy. I don't want to see you try to dive through 13 and a half. And I do too. That's, uh, what, what is it? What's the right, what's the right platform? It's nine and three quarters. <laughs> I, hey, I got it right on the second or third try. 13 and a half though, right? <laughs> Uh, that's why I awesome. wanted to see 13 and a half Matt but to awesome. your point though I, I agree I think I think part of the allure of the first movie is that he he is a replicant but nobody ever told him and Peter you made a good point too of just saying that like you know he acted as if he's been he's a human because he doesn't know any better so I, I could see that part of it but uh, I, I still am not sold on the fact that he's a he's a replicant or if he, he's not a replicant um I think it is it is what it is at this point. You just take him for what he was, and he ended up being sort of a an advisor to Kay at the end of this this movie, uh, or at least the, through their interaction. He's either, he either isn't, or he doesn't know he is. So 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 back to that. I, I think so. The way I look at it is that if if what Wallace was saying was true, and the fact that he was designed, and you know. The thing, the thing was, was that Rachel was designed specifically, you know, against all the Nexus sixes and all that stuff from the previous one. So, like, she didn't have a limited time span. She didn't know, you know, all those things where you could kind of do it. So she was made specifically for a particular reason. And the, you know, they hint, they well, they don't hint at it. He basically, uh, Wallace basically says that Tyrell figured out how to make them rep, uh, uh, reproduce, and then he points and starts making the references to Deckard. About it. So, what's to say that he designed Deckard to um, be a certain way? I mean, 
it could be that he was designed to be thinking, you know, live like a human. And maybe that was the way he could get him to reproduce. It, it can go, it can go all kinds of different ways. So, but yeah, I mean, it's, that, that's the beauty of these films is that you can, you can interpret it however you want. And it's kind of an interesting, um, thing. Anything else, uh, Peter, you got anything you want to add to it? I mean, I think it's just probably worth saying we wanted to go into a deeper dive and uh, we've gone pretty late already between the two episodes. But, you know, there's a there's a ton more in this movie. I mean, obviously, we haven't touched on joy, which I think in itself is somewhat of a long conversation. I mean, it's, you know, talk about AI, loving AI. And there's some references to her that we talked about a little bit, um, you know, in general, you know, the character of Kay. Uh, you know, Wallace, I think is an interesting one, which we touched on again around, you know, the fact that he, he isn't fully fleshed out, but there's some interesting things about him and including his, his, his blindness. And then he's got these weird flying eyes, which I don't know if you guys realize, but those really reminded me of the spaceships. Yes. From Arrival. I was thinking the exact same thing, especially fact, the way they floated or flew. Yes. Or how, you know, what, that, everything about it. Completely agree. Good call. Yeah. Although it, that goes against my earlier comment about, Denny Villeneuve not using uh, visual styling cues, and that I think probably is the one that I immediately tied to him. But anyway, um, so yeah, regardless, there's a lot going on, and and then I think that the the one big thing that we we didn't hit is uh, is Bubble Girl, is um, Deckard's daughter, who I think there's a lot of mysteries there, and again, I think you can kind of leave it unspoken. I am curious if she literally has an issue and has to be in a bubble or if that was just a way to keep her there. I was uh, thinking the same thing. I'm pretty sure that was just a way to keep her there. Uh, I, I, it really doesn't matter at the, in the scheme of things, but that's kind of my guess. Um, I don't know if you guys have an opinion on it real quick. Real quick. I think you're right. I, I think it's yeah, just a device to keep her there. I agree. I think I'm of the same school of thought as you guys. Yeah. I, Otherwise, it seemed kind of funny to me because I wanted Jake Gyllenhaal to roll up in his bubble so could be bubble people together. <laughs> I get it. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, so really complex movie. Regardless, I think uh, we said a lot. Love to say more, but uh, more movies to watch. Indeed. So uh, we we'll want to do a real quick uh, closing thoughts on this, and uh, we'll, we will call it. So, uh, so Matt, real quick, closing thoughts. So I, th- I think the only thing I, I you know, I you know, Peter dropped a lot of things we didn't, we didn't touch on, but um, the main thing I wanted to, to, you know, complain about on the movie is Dave Bautista. The, the guy just did a great job, um, and it's great to see him in something. I know he's had a few roles that I haven't seen outside of Guardians of the Galaxy, um, but it's nice to see him. I, I love him as Drax. It's nice to see him um, in another role, and um, he looked kick-ass in those glasses. I know that's a weird thing to say, but I was like, shit, that guy looked pretty fucking slick. Um and I'm upset with the trailer, and I know we complain about trailers quite a bit, but this trailer in particular, I'm, while I'm glad it gave me the presence of mind that to know that, you know, obviously Dave Bautista's in the film, the context of the scene in the trailer dictated that as soon as we saw Dave Bautista so early in the movie, we should not expect to see Dave Bautista much longer. And that was kind of a, a, a drag for me. I, I was ready to see him uh, more. I was hoping he was going to have a larger role. Uh, and I hope his performance, while short, uh, does give him opportunities to be in a, a few other a few other movies outside of the Guardians of the Galaxy so, so, series. So good news is, and, and I don't know if we, we pointed this out, I know we kind of talked about it, but there is the 2048 Nowhere to Run um, short that came out before this that it focuses on uh, Sappert Morton, which was uh, Dave, Dave Bautista's uh, character. So 
you might get a little bit more with that. Uh, we haven't watched it yet, or at least I haven't. So, you know, just an FYI. That's a, that's a good call, Dave. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm going to have to check that out. Um, but, uh, you know, beyond, beyond that, you know, minor, minor gripe, uh, I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed by this movie. It's definitely not, you know, in terms of Denny Villeneuve's uh, movies, it's definitely not going to be one of my most watched movies. As Sean mentioned, I'll probably watch it once more, and then maybe in 10 years I'll watch the two together again. Um, I'm certainly going to watch Arrival uh, and Sicario significantly more, and then Prisoners, any chance I get an opportunity to introduce somebody else to that movie. It's a little bit more intense. Uh, I'll certainly uh, watch that one as well. This movie is definitely more of a you got to be in the right mindset to sit down and watch a three hour movie um, and kind of focus and no complaints about that. But it's, you know, it's a different, it's a different uh, experience. Uh, definitely one I recommend to anybody who is down for it. Uh, definitely check it out visually. Um, if you can see it in theaters, do it. Um, yeah, hopefully we'll get this out early enough that you can still see it in theaters. Um, I want to hear Peter talk a little bit more about his Dolby experience. Um, I was pretty happy to see it in kind of a larger format theater, but it wasn't a name brand, you know, XD or IMAX or, or Dolby. Uh, but I'm still pretty impressed with the visuals I got to see. And I I, uh, I have to, you know, if you enjoy films, I think a theater, a theatrical experience is the way to go for this. So that's about it on that. What about you, Sean? I, I'm just going to reiterate the fact that I think Ryan Gosling is, is, you know, next level. He's getting to the point where he's, um, probably one of the top actors in Hollywood uh, can do a lot. I, I really enjoyed his, you know, portrayal as Kay or as Joe as whatever you want to refer to him as in this movie. Um, you know, I think I mentioned earlier, ever since he started in Drive, it's kind of the first real look at him as a uh, as a big time actor, and he continues to hold his own with uh, some of the best. So, um, I think that's one of the highlights I, that I really enjoyed about this was just the acting and that, you know, you go to the movie in the theater for an adventure. And this is definitely that like you get, you know, the, the picturesque landscape and you get the uh, the good acting. So, um, you know, I, I did like it. Um, I'm kind of indifferent toward the whole story, but yeah, it's still definitely worth checking out. Um, but what about you, Dave? Well, you know, like I've been saying uh I'm definitely recommending everybody go see this. Uh, it's definitely going to be another flick that, you know, I'm probably going to watch it more than um, uh, Matt will. Uh, I'm debating actually going to see this another again in theaters. Just cause, again, just a beautifully stunningly uh, shot uh, film. So, you know, I'm with the movie pass and everything. It's not that big of a deal. And, you know, if there's nothing, you know, coming out, this might be a nice uh, evening and non Coke purchasing uh, movie experience for me. So, uh, that is really my only gripe with it was the um, was the length of it. It was a little long. Uh, it wasn't for entertainment wise. It was just because it's kind of a hard. It's kind of hard to sit in one place for you know over three over three hours. So it, that's a little difficult for pretty much everybody. Um, but you know, I, I enjoyed the plot. I liked the the thought the the how it kind of kind of builds off of what. Blade Runner brought up, you know, the questions that it brought in, and then it kind of played with those a little bit and, you know, added a little bit more uh, nuances to it, just every little so slightly for the fans. Uh, but like we always said, it's one of those films that it's definitely a standalone. You can go watch it and enjoy it. And, you know, you may not catch all the little the little Easter eggs and the little nuggets here and there, but it's still a good film to go watch and enjoy. The plot line's very, you know, concise in terms of that. But, uh, yeah, like I said, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, 
not much else to say about it. I think we talked on that one. So, uh, Peter, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I think we've kind of hit on the things we liked and, and haven't liked. And uh, I definitely have kind of said, I think, my piece. I will say, and Matt gave a good segue, which is, uh, you know, format. There's a lot of formats you can see this in. And I'm not going to plug this format for everybody to go spend money on it because, uh, you know, obviously I love uh, my red box. But uh, <laughs> um, I went to go see this in a Dolby Theater, which is uh, AMC. It's one of their branded ones. Uh, you know, I think it's uh, Cinemark has their XDs and Regal does their own thing. But um, it, it is one of those events where it's definitely worth the extra ticket price. I mean, there's a few movies I think you can see a year where it's worth spending that extra amount of money. And, and obviously the seats are nicer. You get better sound better screen but there is a there's a surprising difference when you go to see some of these movies and i think it's it's somewhat telling about uh just you know movies in general is we have a lot of different mediums we can see them in and there's a lot of movies that you can kind of relegate to seeing at home or you know wherever else that is other than theater but it's nice that the theaters are doing things that kind of make these a special experience and i would say this was one of those movies that if you can Go see it in a theater. Uh, and if you can see it in a special showing and it's not going to completely destroy your wallet, you know, go do it because I think it definitely adds a little bit extra. And there is something amazing about having Dolby Atmos, Atmos sound, which, you know, it's from left to right. It's all the way over your head. So things literally fly over you. And they I'm pretty sure they put subwoofers underneath your seat, Ooh. which is pretty amazing because you, you're basically vibrating the entire movie. So, um yeah, <laughs> I'll have what she's having. But um, I love that. Yeah, I love I mean, that Dave uh, likes there when Harry met Sally. And that's where it stopped that because great. I think what, what you're trying to say. <laughs> it, no, it's, it's a it's a great movie, and it's that's big, why I like. Big Meg hey, Ryan, that is yeah. a great film. That is a great fun film. for all ages. <laughs> it's great. It's great. Oh, uh, I love the way you order a sandwich. So so yeah, I mean. <laughs> it, it it was a fun movie and it was definitely worth ticket price so if you can go see it in a fun format and uh yeah that's that's it for me so yeah i think that'll uh probably do it for us tonight on uh on a uh, blade runner 2049 so i guess we'll do a, a quick little uh little potent picks uh round real quick uh so uh sean why don't you start us off which potent pick for the week uh it's a good question um <laughs> uh i think in terms of like something i'd like to recommend is for all of those people who are looking for something to enjoy this fall. It's always nice to have something like a good solid Oktoberfest or a good uh, solid, you know, pumpkin beer. Um, if you guys haven't ever had Southern Tier Pumpkin, I'm going to throw that out there as one of the better pumpkin beers um, for fall. It's uh, There's a little micro Southern Tier microbrewery here in uh, Pittsburgh that uh, I've gone to twice now. And the... Uh, Pumpkin and Warlock, which Warlock's the pumpkin stout, are uh, some solid beers. I definitely think you should check out for this time of the year. In terms of a uh, something to get caught up in, some sort of show or movie, um, I'm, I'm I just was watching on Hulu, and Hulu now has like every '90s former TGI Friday show, and uh, been burning oh, through been burning through some episodes of Home Improvement. So. I know I threw out uh, Matt a Halloween uh, costume idea was uh, Al Borland, so that's why it's because I've been catching up on some uh, home improvements. So, um, and ladies, if you're wondering, yes, I can do that costume. Yeah, so. he's got the full you're beard. Welcome. So, <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I'm a big big home improvement fan. Uh, so Tim Allen, 
um, JTT. Uh, check it out. It's uh, on Hulu, so give it a go. But uh, what about you, Peter? So I, I was going to recommend Drive, but then uh, Sean actually had called it out earlier. So it is a good one. I, but there's another movie that kind of made me think of this, and it's uh, Tron Legacy. So I, I, I don't want to recommend it saying I think it was the best movie ever. I, I, I mean, to me, what, what made me think of it while we were reviewing this is it's another kind of classic movie, sci-fi movie that kind of sits in a lot of people's hearts. And then they made a remake. And the remake, I think, is is decent. I think they took it in an interesting direction and they utilize visuals to kind of bring the story to life and kind of reinvigorate it. Because when you go back and look at the, the past movie, it's just <laughs> it's not a great movie. It doesn't it doesn't hold up. But um, but yeah, if you haven't seen Tron Legacy, I think it's definitely worth taking a shot. And from a from a visual and style perspective, you'll get some similar elements. It's a little more kind of cartoonish compared to a, you know, Blade Runner. I think Blade Runner is a legitimate Oscar contender, whereas this one is more just, you know, kind of Disney effects, but I think it's still fun. And the, the music I think is one thing I really like. And it's the same with drive. You kind of get that techno eighties feel. And there's something about that music that is thoroughly appealing for me. So uh, but yeah, um, in terms of drinks, I've talked about this one before. It's, uh, you know, Dragon's Milk from New Holland Brewery. But uh, the one I talked about, I think, last was one of their special releases. And when I went home to Chicago, I realized that they actually have, or over the years, they've had, you know, double digits in terms of special releases. So one of the ones I tried was, it's their Mexican Spice Cake Uh it is delicious. It is completely delicious, guys. If you guys, again, I, I know I've already said it, but if you can, go find some dragon's milk. And if you can find one of the specialty ones, it is a huge treat and you will not be disappointed. I think I've tried three or four different of their specialties and every single one has been better than next. So yeah, if you can, if you can find it in the Midwest, you should definitely go partake. Uh, so Matt, let's go to you. Uh, first, first off, I do want to you know acknowledge the good call out of Tron Legacy. I think the visuals were spot on for the kind of I guess the evolution of the Tron series. I think they did a great job. It definitely didn't get the reviews that maybe some of the cult cult fans were expecting, or kind of maybe it wasn't the movie the cult fans were expecting. But I, I think it's a good go. Um, I, I do want to call out and, and Sean's been referencing Drive as you mentioned uh, a bit, which is fair. I, though I still haven't seen it, but I acknowledge that that's kind of where. Um, Ryan Gosling got a kind of the leading man uh, fame beyond uh, the uh, romantic lead. I want to drop a few others. And the main one being, um, I, it would actually be Fracture, but I know that I think Sean or somebody else referenced that movie. I, I adore that movie. I'm a huge fan. Um, Ryan Gosling, you know, definitely carries his own against Anthony Hopkins, which is no small feat. Um, so phenomenal movie. Definitely check out Fracture. But, uh, you know, just some other movies that I want to give him credit for before Drive, you know, beyond just being a heartthrob, uh, in addition to Fracture, would be Stay, where he's he's uh, alongside uh, uh, young Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, Ewan McGregor, uh, as well as Murder by Numbers with Sandra Bullock. Uh, definitely, uh, definitely recommend Great that. Movie. And then, of, and then of course, uh, Remember the Titans. So uh, the main the main drop is check out some of Ryan Gosling's earlier catalog, and the the one that you know since since Fracture's been done before, the one that I'm definitely going to drop is going to be uh, Murdered by Numbers. I think that's just a really really good uh, murder uh, kind of crime solving film. Um, based on the title, you probably predicted that. 
Um, and I think it's something worth revisiting if, you, if you've seen it before. Uh, it's been 15 years. If you haven't seen it yet, I think it's something you should try to check out. Um, in terms of drinking, I'm actually going to go with a uh, something. You know, I've, I've been visiting some friends, and one, one friend really loves to find these. Whatever dive bar we end up at is the uh, – the, they always have specials of uh, beer and, uh, you know, shot, um, typically whiskey. So just, a, you know, a shot and a beer chaser. Uh, if you can, if you're out in a bar and you have that option, they usually cost about as much as a, as a, you know, a, uh, imported beer or, a, you know, a non, uh, a non well drink. And I, I think you're going <laughs> to start the knife off, night off well, if you have a, a shot and a beer chaser. So go, go for that deal. If they don't have that deal, find another bar. So that's about it. What about you? <laughs> what about you, Dave? Uh, so, you know, I, I was thinking about this, uh, while we were talking, we kind of really didn't touch too much on him, but, um, some uh, some Edward James almost. Uh, we really didn't talk much about him how he how he took part in this film. So I just kind of want to show off some some greats for him and kind of got me in the mood. No, <laughs> Battlestar Galactica, man, come on, that was a oh. you know as much as you probably won't like it, Sean, because you don't like sci fi. We we all know this, but uh, for for a sci fi show, it was actually really good because it was it was very. Uh, um, and, and Dave, just to call out, you're not I, I, referencing necessarily that the genre sci-fi. You're also calling out the channel. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Uh, thank you for that. Um, but yeah, no, it's one of those shows that like you can go back and watch um, multiple times. It was well done. Um, it's it's weird. It's kind of like a it's kind of like an opera in space if you want to look at it like that because uh, it's very uh, it's very interesting. Um, needless to say, if you haven't watched it, it's not the the old one. It's definitely the one that it came out on sci-fi like the past in like 2000s. So definitely go watch it. And while you're watching it, um, I would recommend a little, um, uh, I'm sorry, it's a Baker's Bourbon. I don't know if y'all have heard of this. So I was looking through this. Uh, somebody had told me that uh, all the uh, Jim Beam, that distillery, happens to own a whole bunch of all the, the you know, the bourbons that we all like. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of figured I'd stick with that because, frankly, we've been most of the time we end up drinking most of the ones produced by the Beam Sundry. So... You know, you got your Maker's Marks, your your uh, your Baker, uh, your Bakers, your Basil Haydens, your Bookers, your Knob Creeks. But, you know, it, it's a really good bourbon. Um, I've had it a couple times um, at some bars. So Baker's bourbon, uh, definitely try it. Always a good little thing. And, you know, it's going to get start getting a little cold. So you need to warm up your, uh, your inside. So that'll be it. Um, but, yeah, I think that'll do it for us tonight. So if on... Uh, Blade Runner 2049. So, as always, you can follow us on uh, Potent Pictures uh, on Twitter, at Potent Pictures on Twitter, uh, and the same as for uh, Instagram. You can also uh, email us at PotentPicturesPodcast at gmail.com. And, uh, again, we do have a Facebook page. It's Potent Pictures, so just go ahead and search that in in the Facebook uh, uh, search bar. And then we also do have our own website. It's it's a WordPress website. It's PotentPictures.wordpress.com. And... uh, yeah, I think that'll do it for us. Uh, so next week we'll probably be talking about either the foreigner or Marshall, and we'll have Sean uh, tweet out uh, which one we're actually going to talk about uh, when we decide. But uh, it's still kind of up in the air as of yet. So I think that'll do it for us tonight, everybody. Thanks again. Um, well, hi everybody. It's Potent Pictures Podcast. Uh, this is Dave. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs>
Wait, what, was like, what was wrong with the first like one? It was like a question mark. Like, <laughs> this is Dave? Who put a question mark on the teleprompter again? <laughs> I'm Dave? <laughs> wow. uh, thank you for that. When I <laughs> joked earlier about you being Ron Burgundy, it didn't actually wow. think it was going to happen. That was classic, Dave. <laughs> Dave, what the fuck? All right. Never seen I'm some, back here. Never seen somebody Holy so shit. mad about themselves. You can save that, guys. You keep that. That'll be, uh, we'll keep that for later. I think my biggest complaint about this movie is that Dave Bautista was... I'm going to... Sorry, I just realized I rolled my chair like 20 feet away from my mic. I'm going to get a little closer. <laughs> <laughs> keep that in <laughs> you should roll away as you're talking <laughs> like I do on occasion and sing uh, Bob Seger oh, I fucking See, love Bob Seger man um, roll, roll me away <laughs> exactly focus focus um, focus I actually like that movie uh, Will Smith shout out focus Ooh. yeah yeah did you not like it <laughs> that's a good movie um I, I like the football scene. Right, it was great. I loved that Super um, that that goofy looking guy. I thought he was fucking awesome. The Hawaiian Rogers, Rogers, because he was also in the commercials. So, um, <laughs> and Jurassic Park. Fuck, oh, he God. was. Now we're going yeah. such on <laughs> Nobody wants to talk about focus right now. Bring it in, boys. Come on, bring it in. Focus, focus. So you, you're the ones that keep name dropping movies. It's not my fault. 